Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Welcome to Synergetic Culture. I'm your host, Adam Bieber. I am excited that you are joining today's episode. Thank you so much for joining and for listening. I hope that today adds value to you. Um, I'm excited about today's episode because I get to introduce you all to one of my best friends, Philip Floor. And before I officially introduce him to you, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Phil. Um, and what's so cool about this episode and the setup that we have right now is we are actually recording in Phil's apartment in Gainesville, Florida. And so I got to travel down from Atlanta to Gainesville, Florida to visit with Phil and also to record this episode. So this is super cool to get to be in person uh, recording today's episode. But let me tell you just a little bit about Phil's history. So Phil's from New York, but grew up in uh, a northern suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, after he went to college in the state of Georgia, he uh, became a very successful educator, a successful award-winning educator in Fulton County, Georgia. Um, a few years ago, he left education to pursue uh, ministry in the church, and he became uh, the production director at one of the largest churches in the country, North Point Community Church, at their main campus, North Point in Alpharetta, Georgia. And then just recently took his first pastoral role as student ministries director at Anthem Church. And so Phil's loaded with experience. He's got insight, uh, wisdom for leading teams, building culture. So I'm excited for you guys to get to meet him and for him to add value to today's episode. So Phil, welcome to Synergetic Culture. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be here. I know we've talked about this for a, a hot minute. We so, have. Uh, and then we tried recording it before and <laughs> yeah yeah we did we, yeah. we did we did try to get it recorded before and had some technical issues and then you up and moved to Gainesville to Florida Gainesville, and so Florida, we yeah. said dude put a pin in it and uh and we decided that we would revisit this recording so right. I'm I'm pumped dude oh me too man I think I've even from the first recording I think I've learned so much more than what we talked about originally so I think that hopefully at least we can share it here on the on the podcast yeah dude absolutely um, so tell us a little bit more about your uh, your experience. I mean, you have uh, specific thoughts that you want to bring to today's episode. Yeah. I'm excited about them, but give us a little bit of background. Like, what was it like, um, you know, being an award-winning teacher and, you know, <laughs> it's kind of the move from education to uh, ministry in the church and yeah. kind of the evolution of that. Just give us a little background. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, nobody sets out to win an award, or at least people who win awards usually don't set out to, <laughs> to win them. True. Um, but I think for me, in every area that I've, you know, pursued, I've tried to kind of step away from the normal structure of this is how things are and go ahead and do them and look more at the people that I was working with and um, the people that I was dealing with and figuring out 
what's going to be best for them mm. and creating the best place for them. And then the rest would come with it. And so that's what I did as a teacher, my goal. And I told people all the time, even when I interviewed as a teacher, I was like, I, I'm not really passionate about teaching kids math, but I th I'm passionate about having a safe place for kids where mm. they feel welcomed and they feel loved. And so I, uh, cr that's what I did with my classroom. I just tried to create the best place where kids would not want to miss where parents would want to get their kids into the classroom and then I just figured the learning would come with it. Obviously, I tried to, you know, use the best practices of education. And yeah. it wasn't like I wasn't teaching. Yeah. But that wasn't the main focus. You were focus. certified as I a teacher. I was certified as yeah, a teacher, yeah, right. Yeah. But that wasn't the main focus. And then um, once I felt like I did that for a few years and, and, it, and did it well, um, then I was like, oh, I kind of want to do this in a bigger scale and on a broader spectrum yeah. um, and was really more passionate about the type of place I was creating and why I was creating it. Yeah. And so when the church showed up um, in my life and there were some opportunities to, to go there and it was going to be a, a lot bigger of a scale. Yeah. I was like, this is easy. Yeah. This is an easy move. Um, something just to throw out there yeah. for the people that are listening. Yeah. Uh, the evolution of going from education to uh, the church and kind of the transformation that happened in you. There's a much deeper story yeah, there absolutely. that we're not going to dig into right. today, which yeah. maybe we will in the future. But yeah. um, I just want to go go ahead and and let our listeners and viewers know that you actually have a book that's I do that's yep. it, it released on like a soft release, but yep. it's it's fully launching. Uh, February of 2021. Yep. What's the date again? February 9th. February 9th is when it's set to uh, kind of all the campaign uh, marketing type stuff. Yeah, with, the of, with the publisher and all With the publisher and all yeah. that. So, yeah. So, you could order the book today if you wanted Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Amazon, um, Amazon, It's Audible. called Ready, Fire, Aim. Yep. Intentionally called Ready, Fire, Aim. Yep. So, I encourage you to get it. I've listened to it on audio. Uh, I Audible, I have a uh, hard copy signed by Philip floor, <laughs> but, um, that, that book will give you a deeper insight into that season of his yeah. life and the transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, so just want to throw that out there. We'll talk about it a little bit more absolutely. later, but absolutely. so continue, continue on. So you, you, you get to the church mm -hmm. and, uh, tell us about, about that experience going from teaching in a classroom to, yeah. um, you know, being a part of one of the largest student, min uh, children's ministries, right? Um, in the I mean, it was surreal and overwhelming. And even as you think about it back now, when we're, you know, we're talking before, it's like, wow, that really happened. And yeah, I, you know, I had at the most 22 students in my classroom, I think maybe, maybe 25. Yeah. And what's an um, average Sunday at North Point? Average Sunday at North Point for pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID kindergarten through fifth grade. I mean, 1200 1300 wow. kids yeah. and you know i didn't deal with them directly but i dealt with all the volunteers who dealt with them um and so i had um at times between 100 and 150 volunteers that were yep. all more or less answering to me i always made the joke if you guys stop showing up i wouldn't actually have any authority so <laughs> you don't need to call me your boss yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and you're volunteering but yeah it was it was really cool because I got to practice on a small scale in my classroom the things that I eventually went and executed on a large scale at the church yeah. and then moving on to the to the next season kind of back on a little bit more of a smaller scale where you can fine tune some things. Yeah, so I grew up going to church. Yeah. Um, you know, so anybody listening that has that experience uh North Point's a different animal. Um, yeah. It is not your cl classic children's church with the little yeah. felt characters and there's like 18 <laughs> yeah. kids in the room. 
<laughs> it is a, a full-on production, yep. and it takes an army of volunteers yep. every Sunday to pull off a Sunday at yep. that church. Um, it's remarkable, and I would just say if you ever have the opportunity to visit, check it out and notice yeah. how many people are there. And and I would say probably ninety nine percent of the people that you see, aside from you know the guy on stage preaching, right, are volunteers that are there. So tell us about um, what it was like to. I mean, it's a, it's a machine. You know, you yeah. have multiple uh, environments with stages and singers and storytellers yeah. and leaders that are leading, you know, different age groups of elementary school kids. And it's all happening simultaneously right. at one time. And it's also happening simultaneously at one time at five different campuses. So tell yep. us about just what that was like. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those where it's the church. So it's meant to be very personal. But with the size, it also has to be very professional and has to be very structured. And so you're balancing structure with a very personal and intentional organic being because these are people. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was interesting. There were times when you kind of, you had a plan, you had a structure in place, you had guidelines and things that this is how it's going to be. And then you sit across from somebody and realize, okay, we need to need to change some things or we need to adapt. Um, and I think that's what made us better. And I think that's what made us grow and it made, made them makes them continue to grow. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was just one of those experiences where you can't pull it off without very clear expectations and you can't pull it off without very detailed, uh, I don't know, lists, assignments, whatever you yeah. would call it. Yeah. You know, expectations. Expectations, yeah. I guess you could say again. But you couldn't pull it off if people didn't feel like they mattered, if people didn't feel like they were valued, if people didn't feel like you knew who their name was. So, mm -hmm. I mean, when I first started and they're like, here's 150 volunteers, <laughs> and I'm terrible with names. I mean, I'm absolutely <laughs> terrible with names, which stinks because it's such a personal thing. It's, yeah. you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, who you are and well you're naturally terrible with names but it's something you practice it's something yeah and so over time my, i mean yeah. for the first probably year i just i mean i probably did a bunch of other things but my main goal was i have to learn these people's names yeah i can't do anything else if they don't know that i know who they are yep and that's how it is you know people might go to these big establishments and be like nobody knows who i am and it's that's the the battle yeah. is to, to feel known yeah. when you walk into a place. Well, I mean, even if like, uh, I, I, I think back to one of the organizations I worked with and, um, I remember sitting at dinner one time, uh, was on a business trip, was sitting yeah. at dinner and was literally sitting across from the CEO of the company. Mm -hmm. And we, everybody at the table was chit chatting. Yep. And the thought crossed through my mind, like, I don't even think this guy knows my name. <laughs> right. You know, like I, I legitimately yeah. thought that, um, he was friendly. I mean, he was super right, nice. Right. He paid the tab for the food, you know, yeah. I mean, he was cool, but I just remember thinking like, I don't even know if, if you know my name, Yeah. you know, and you're right. Like there's something very personal about leading people and leading, yep. you know, uh, a large production or a large scale, um, any type of, yeah. you know, whether it's in a business or, you know, in the church or you're volunteering for something, you right. serve at a food pantry, you, any type of volunteer, anytime you're doing anything. Right. Well, and it's one of those things too. Communication is everything. I think yeah. that's probably one of the biggest takeaways I had in that experience. Um, and regardless of whatever world you're operating in, whoever's listening, it's, you have a plan 
and then you have the people that are going to execute it, but you have to figure out the best and most fluent way to communicate that plan. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we battled every day. Yeah. And I thought we did it very, very well. And that's where we adapted the most. And that's what I say back in uh, just a little while ago of we had certain guidelines and things, and then we would adapt as we would talk to people because certain communication, communication methods didn't work for certain people. And now if it's, you know, one or two people, you can just have a conversation and figure that out. But when you have large scale people like we figured things out with email and we figured things out with other apps and texts. And sometimes you had a couple things going at once. It's not a one size fits all. And I think that's one of the things North Point does so great. And that's one of the things I've learned is it's not necessarily about how great your plan is or even in a way how awesome the people are, but it's how great you can execute a communication of the plan to the amazing people. And that's what makes North Point, North Point, at least my words. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. The ability to cast vision. Right. To say, hey, this is the direction we're going. Here's the why. Yeah. That's where we want to head. And here's how we're going to execute it. Mm-hmm. On, you know, on one ready break. Yeah. So. And here's how we're going to do it in multiple places at the same time. Yeah. With the same proficiency. Yeah. So you went from uh, uh, being a teacher to production director of right. the children's ministry called Upstreet. Right. Well, I was so, assistant production director, then production director. Yeah, yes, all, yeah. yeah, all the same. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> and so you were in charge of the stages and, right. exe- you know, having every Sunday they would have storytellers that would tell, right. tell the Bible story right. and sing songs. And, and then they would, there would be intentional time where mm-hmm. smaller groups of kids would circle up and they would right. t- talk about the Bible story and they would have some type of takeaway from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big responsibility. Yeah, and we also had the people in the tech booth as well that were pulling all the stuff off, yeah. the lights and the screens and the microphones. Yeah, because like I that. said, yeah. it's not the children's church I grew up no, going no. to. I or mean, me, or yeah. me, the four people in like a, you know, <laughs> Home Depot chairs <laughs> sitting around the exactly. table. Exactly, yeah. So. Wow. So there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't where you uh, felt truly called right right and so your call into ministry and and serving the church totally valid there Mm -hmm. but there's there's always been something more so tell us about you know the the transition from production director to now your first pastoral role yeah well you know I've always loved students I've loved working with students um and when I say students it's pretty much you know kindergarten through high school, even college students. Um, I just love that those formative years. And, you know, I think that the more effective voices we can have besides just the parents and in these students' lives is only going to help our future and only going to help things, you know, get better. Um, And so when I was an elementary teacher, I worked directly with students. And then when I was assistant production director and production director, I worked indirectly with a majority of students, but I still worked a lot with middle and high school students who were volunteers. I yeah. mean, I'm going to make up a statistic or a percentage, I yeah. guess, but it's probably not too far off. I would say probably 40% of my volunteers were middle and high school students yeah. and college students. If you added that, it could be almost at 50 yeah. in a certain realm. So it wasn't just parents signing up. You had a lot right. of yeah, young a lot of, people. A lot of young people, and they were getting into very, very big roles, pulling off very, very big things. And so... Um, I had that passion, so it it kind of aligned with my calling or with what I thought I was meant to do. Um, And then this opportunity came up at Anthem where I was going to work back again directly with students. And so in my role now, I work 
strictly, not strictly with middle and high school students. I still work with volunteers. I still work with parents. And so it's kind of the merging of two worlds, the teacher world where I worked with students and parents, and then the production director world where I worked with volunteers. And so now I work with all three, um, plus staff and, you know, business leaders and things like that. So it kind of, it was a perfect cohesion of the two steps I had before, you know, and, and who knows where this will lead next. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Well, and just knowing you for the last several years, knowing what you're passionate about, um, when it comes to speaking to students, communicating to them, uh, giving them tools to get through life because life is hard as a student. It's hard Um, in general. yeah, Yeah, it is true. Um, it's been fun because we both have gone and spoken at, you know, FCAs for yeah. local public high schools. Yep. Uh, we've done different types of gatherings. Right. We, Chick-fil-A talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We Everywhere. Anywhere pulled a bunch of invited. kids together and spoke to a bunch of kids at Chick-fil-A and right. gave them a devotional. Well, they yeah. ate their chicken biscuit and then went to school. We, right. um, you even sat in and, and, you know, you helped me lead small group yep. at one point, yeah. um, a few years back. So, all of that, I'm sure, um, helped prepare you. All of these experiences helped right. prepare you for this role. Absolutely. What are, if you could kind of sum up, like, because yeah. we are going somewhere with this. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a point to right. talking point. about your story <laughs> right. here. Right, you because, need some background and context before you start rolling everything out. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a point. What would you say, like, what are the things that really have carried over from all of these experiences? Yeah. And there's so many more experiences. Like I said, get the book. Right. It's coming back out February 9th. February 9th, yep. Uh, 2021. You can go ahead and order it, but it's yeah. going to it's gonna really be, be pushed be and pushed launched. Then, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it has a lot of more takeaways than what we can cover in a podcast. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, the some of the biggest things that I've learned, and they might seem pretty simple, but I think that's the first one is that, it is simple. Like what you're trying to figure out is, is, is a lot simpler than you think. And yeah. so whatever big heady idea you have, probably six notches down is actually what you need to do. But um, I think the biggest thing that I, that I saw was in, when I was a teacher, it was on me in a lot of ways. Like I, I was the executor. I was the planner, the executor. I carried out the, everything that was needed to be done. My student success aside from, you know, parents was, whether I taught them or not. Mm -hmm. And so it was very singular focused. And I think that a lot of people, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but are like, I have an idea and I need to figure out how I can execute it. Mm. And then the next stage was here's all these people and here's maybe not your idea, but you still have to execute it, but you have to execute it with all these people in all these environments. So it was probably a more unorthodox setting of, you went from very, very small to super, super huge. And all that meant was like trial by fire. You just had to learn really quickly. So I realized I can't pull all this off by myself. Yep. And uh, I had to, st- but I was only given me as a staff person. And then my boss, we worked together, but even just us two, we couldn't pull off caring for 150 volunteers, serving 1300 students on a stage every single Sunday. I mean, 50 out of 52 Sundays a year. And so we started having to recruit people and find out ways that others can help us, but not just to, so that we could get it done, but so that they could join in on yeah. what was going on. Yeah. And that would be life giving for them as well. Yeah. And so I really, there's learned, something that comes when you right. empower the people that you're with yep. to do something, even if you know how to do it, right. You know, like 
Um, I think Matt, John Maxwell calls it uh, catalyst leadership. Right. Yeah. Catalytic leadership. Or right, I can't remember right, exactly. Right, yeah, something puts like that. It, yeah. yeah. But it's where you empower people that are under you or working with you. Right. To do what you can do. You don't hold back yeah. from giving them the ability and the tools to go and execute and right. do it. And, you know, in the position that you're in at the church at, at North Point, I mean, you don't really have a choice. You right. have to do you that. Have to do it. You better figure it out really quick. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of validity to that method right. of leading people of even for you being kind of given, Hey, yeah. here's what has to happen. Make it happen. Mm -hmm. You weren't necessarily the person way on top, right. just saying like, "Hey, here's my vision. I'm gonna make here's this happen." Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you are almost a subordinate to a system of right. here's the curriculum, here's here's yeah. the content, here's what we're doing, and you had to then get on board, take it, and go. I'm gonna make All this right. work. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna put vision behind it. That is, you know, that that matters. I mean, that people give me vision about it, and I had some say in it. You yeah, know, it yeah, yeah, for sure. Marching orders, for sure. But it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was one of those things that was so great because. The first role as a teacher, I could do it all myself. Yeah. The second role as assistant production director and then production director was I definitely can't do it as my, by myself. And then there's this role now where there's this weird intertwine of like, I probably to a degree without sounding like super arrogant could do a good bit of it by myself. But that would not be beneficial. God knows right? nobody wants to hear you yeah. sing. No, no, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. But, you know, it's one of those where you're like, for example, could I make a light show for our environment? Yeah. Yes. I learned through the production means how to make a light show. Should I make a light show as the person over everything? Is that going to be the best use of my time yep. when I could be working on other things? Why don't I find someone who literally lives and breathes light pro lighting programming? Yeah. And and then going and recruiting them. And so I can go and work on something else yeah. because it's one of those, when you say no to something, you can say yes to other yep. things. And when you say yes to something, you have to say no to, yeah. to the rest. And so that's kind of where I'm at now in this new role, you know, I, I would say I definitely can't do it all by myself, no. but there is an aspect where being the person in charge for the most part, I could say, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. And we're not going to do this so that I can do all of the things by myself, but that's not how places no, grow. And no. I don't like to ever go to something that's well, not going to grow. No, absolutely not. And I think anybody listening, if they think about where they are professionally right. in their career yeah. or what they do philanthropically to volunteer or just anything that they're involved in, right? There, we have our responsibilities. Yeah. And I'm I'm super guilty of this because I just love to like get my hands on everything. Right. Yeah, you yeah, and yeah. I are a lot yeah. alike in yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But I have to constantly remind myself that there are certain things that only I can do in my role. Yeah. And so I need to focus on being really, really locked in, yeah. execute, be really, really good at the things that only I can do. Yep. So you're the guy for the most part, most of the time yeah. that will get up and you will speak to these students. Right. So you have to be lasered in and focused at right. that part of your position in other roles, in other professions, everybody has a list of things that are only theirs to take. Right. You have to do them. Right? And if you're a leader your, of a team, keep your job. <laughs> yes. If you're yeah. a leader of a team all the way up to the C-level executives, yeah. There are things that only they can do, and then and then there are things that they could do if they had margin right. or time. Maybe there's things that they're passionate about, right? But they don't need to actually do those things because it takes away from the things that right. They need like to there's do. a there's a book. Uh, it's 
I would probably say get it over my book. It's, I mean, it, it's one of the best books I read every year. It's called Essentialism by, yeah. by Greg McEwen. I, I think I've said his, his last name correctly. And basically what he says in the book is do everything that is absolutely necessary for your job and then delegate or get rid of the rest. <laughs> yeah. Like delegate, get people that are passionate about those things. Yep. And, and then you grow your team and you build your team. And it's one of those moments where, it's kind of like when I was a, a student athlete and like scoring a goal was awesome. It felt so good. It was such a win. Yep. But then when I started coaching, yes, I wasn't in the direct line of the win, but wa watching these students develop and grow and them score and our team win, it might have not felt initially as strong as like the direct spotlight yeah. of the goal, yeah. but it carried way longer yeah, i'm you sure score, you score a goal and then you go back to the face off yeah right yeah when you're the coach or whatever the assistant coach and your team wins you go home as like a winner and you were part of that yeah you know? yeah i was just about to say i don't think nick saban has a problem with, <laughs> yeah. with the rings that he has as right the coach yeah as not as the person <laughs> not catching the game winning touchdown yeah. you know yeah. so that's, that's kind good. of what i've experienced in these in this transition into this new job is like I can get direct wins myself, but they're not going to last as long and they're going to be so hyper-focused yeah. and then it's just going to be the me show and that doesn't help other people out. That yeah. just makes me feel good about me. Yeah. And there, life is, for you listening, life is way more important <laughs> than that. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so <clears throat> I think I, I hear you saying a couple, there's a yeah, few yeah. themes that I've yeah. noticed. Um. And here, here's just a couple of things that yep. I've, I've noticed. And I, I want to point these out and then I want to hear your why. Why, does, why, why, why have these been a theme? Um, the first has to do with individual people. Yeah. Making sure you talked about learning names. You talked yep. about how you wanted students to feel safe and feel like they had a place where they could belong and yep. they could grow and they could learn. And then you got to your next job and you wanted to help lead volunteers so that they could help these kids feel like they're safe and they belong. Right. And now you're leading a ministry right. so that these people feel safe. And they the whole point is you want these, these students, these people that you are leading right. to know that they matter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you can't do whoever you are in whatever role you're in, even if it's just you as your own person running your own business until you know that you matter and to this role or yeah. that the people that are along the ride with you, until they know that they matter, everything else should be off the table. Yep. Nothing else should be decided. Yeah. doesn't matter what your return on investment is going to look like. It doesn't matter um, how many staff positions you're going to get to hire or whatever. If people don't know that they matter, then you can't go anywhere. Yeah. And I'll give you a perfect example to, without taking like too much time. We were having a production meeting a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe, maybe a month ago or so. And we were going over a specific instruction and the drummer in, for the band that was going to be playing that night raised his hand and he had said, Hey, I know I'm just the drummer, but I don't really understand the instructions for the game. Now you have two options there. You could say, yeah, that's okay. They'll, ex they'll understand yeah. on stage. Don't worry. Right. You're just the drummer. Well, I guess you have three options. Yeah. You could say that the second one, you could re-explain it. Oh, that's a good point. Let me re-explain the instructions. And the third one, which is the option you should choose, which is the option I did decide to choose was, hey, you're not just the drummer. Because you brought up that question, now we're going to be able to figure out a clearer instruction so that yeah. when we go and perform this 
or do this for the students, they're going to be able to understand, which yep. is going to allow them to experience it better. Yep. And because they experience it better, they're going to want people to come and experience it with them. Yep. So it's that long-term yeah. investment. And so people, people, people need to know that they're valued. They need to know they matter. And you have to capitalize on every opportunity to tell them you matter. And if without you, we can't do this. And if you have people on your team that you can't say that to, you either need to re look at yourself or you need to look if they should be on the team. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really yeah. the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I love the perspective you took. First yeah. of all, Hey buddy, you're not just the drummer. You're not just the drummer. Like you're on this team. You're on this team. And you're adding value by bringing it to our right. attention that, Hey, when, when you're the one who created the idea, mm -hmm. it's totally clear up there. Oh yeah. You know, like Lock in your solid. head, you're like, I know exactly. I got this. How I'm Everybody do this. knows, and I've I've <laughs> right. been in meetings before where yeah. the person who came up with the idea is just like so excited, and yeah, they're you yeah. know drawn on the whiteboard, and then all of a sudden you're just like, "Am I missing something?" Right. Or someone asked the one question, "So we're changing something," and yeah. you're like, "That's not at all what I was saying." But all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I love that you did that, and then just you know taking the stance of of uh, showing him he valued by by recognizing that what he brought. Yeah, you know the the question he raised or the comment he had added value to right. the you know it, your your meeting went longer, but guess what? You guys probably executed the Way game better, better because yeah. the, if you know if if a bunch of adult leaders aren't able to figure it out and right. you know clearly understand, then maybe it's not super clear to the students. Right. You know, so well, and it was a perfect example right there where it's one of those and. Yeah, this is a microscopic example. Like you could it, for time and things, you could just be like, "Oh, here's the game." and not take the time to pour into them. But there could be two years down the road where this person might be hitting a rough patch in their life and they just don't want to do this anymore. They don't want to put the same effort in. And what would it look like if you had two years prior in, invested in them and showing them how valuable they were? Yeah. That question being brought up made me realize this person, you know, whoever, it doesn't matter who, was supposed to be doing this. It just didn't happen. This person, for some reason, got it in their head that they were just the drummer. And whether it was a lack thereof vision about how important that person is or just a, like, you just didn't take care of them. Mm. Like, or you, you did it in a bad way. That's where they were at. And what happens when things get tough? Or you're going to, I know eventually, just like every person probably listening, you're going to have to turn the ship at some point. You're going to go into a new direction. Nobody stays the same course in life. Yeah. And you need them on board yeah. to get there. Yeah. So people need to know they matter. And yeah. you you said it very quickly at the beginning, but it right. starts with knowing that you matter. Yeah. So what you did was, is you spoke to that drummer and reminded him that he matters. So yeah. next time he's going, hey, I matter. I'm a I part matter. of this. Yeah. yeah. Or like I'm sleeping in late, but my alarm went off and I need to be there because I matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a great yeah. point. Um, something else you touched on, especially um, in your role at North Point, yeah. was uh, people need to know the expectations. Yes, like yes, when you have 150 volunteers, mm -hmm. you know, every single Sunday, and it changes sometimes. Like right. Sometimes you have like an A, an A and a B right. shift. Not shift, not yeah, teams, yeah. but shifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you've got different sets of 150 volunteers that are helping you execute, yeah. and so. Being able to know what's expected of you. Yeah. Um, just talk about that for a second. Absolutely. The value of that. Yeah. So, you know, there's sayings that go around, and it's a really good saying. I actually do believe in it. You know, people say, I don't want things from you. I want things for you. Yeah. Which, that's correct, but that's only part of the equation. Yeah. 
people want to know what you want from them. They've shown up. They need to know the expectations. I gave you the example before. We've both experienced this with a specific person. Someone asks you to come help them move, and then you show up. <laughs> you're like, hey, what do you need me to do? And they're like, oh, you could just um, grab a, a box, right? So now you're like, oh, great. You weren't expecting me. Yeah. And how do I know if I did a good job? Yeah. People want to know they've done a good job. Why would you do anything if you, <laughs> if you can't weigh it on a, did I do well or did I not? So it was well, funny real quick because yeah. I remember that specific time that right. we went and helped our friend move. Yeah. And I remember he was so stinking grateful. Yeah. Like when we were done, he was so grateful. Right. And I remember being like, oh, yeah. cool. I, I drove I guess, away. I guess you know, we did what we were supposed to I do. I drove away feeling like I did nothing. Right. <laughs> so it was like great that I helped him out. But yeah. that's also an opportunity to empower the people that help you. So, yes. Yeah. People need to know what you expect from them. Yep. Because they want to know if they're doing a good job. Because if there's ever a moment when you have to have a tough conversation with yep. them, they know what the scale is. Yeah. The, and when people know that they're valued and then they know what you expect from them, when they leave your site, when they go home, they're thinking, I'm valued. I know what I can do. How can I make it better? Yep. Therefore, I'm valued I was going to say, people I mean, that's just the, a human experience. Oh, true. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. When there's no expectation in place, right. things, things run wild. Yeah. When you value people and then set an expectation, they don't yep. just rise to the occasion. Yeah. They, they want to exceed, exceed the, ex the standard. Right. Exceed and it makes the them feel better. I yeah. mean, we all want to do what makes us feel better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that was, that's a big thing from all the, I guess the three jobs that I've talked about or that we've talked about on this podcast is there was a clear moment after everyone's been buttered up and felt great yeah. where I have to say, now this is the plan. Yep. This is what is expected of you and your mm -hmm. role. And those uh, volunteers, the reason we were able to pull off all of those things on all of those campuses all at the same time was every person knew what they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to do it and why they were supposed to do it. And that's what I want to focus yes. on now is yeah. why, because you can rally the troops and yep. get everybody on board. Yeah. But if you don't have a direction, um, I, I used to do a lot with uh, growing leaders, yeah. Dr. Tim Elmore. Oh, he talks great. about, he talks about the, like the equivalent of not having a direction, yeah. a vision, a goal yeah. is you throwing an ax at a wall mm -hmm. and then going up to where the ax hit the wall and drawing a bullseye around it. Yeah. Like it makes no <laughs> sense to operate in that yeah. way. But sometimes we, are really good at those first two right. steps, but we don't quite get the, hey, here's the direction and here's why. So why is that so important? Yeah. I mean, once you've told everybody how great they are and why they matter and you've given them clear expectations, now you need to put that to practice. Yeah. And people need to know what they're working towards. For example, you and I were both runners. We we, we have a friend here as well who's a runner. We were talking about running. Yep. It was so hard to go out and run until I had something I was working towards. I yeah. was working towards a race. Yep. And now that I'm working towards a race, I, it's so much easier to run. People need to know, okay, I know what you want from me. And I know that I have to give my all and I know that I'm valued, but why am I doing uh -huh. it? And the why isn't going to get them started. It's going to get them to continue to go to build that endurance. When things get tough, when life gets hard, mm -hmm. when finances aren't right, when you know they wake up and they just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, he's just having a hard day. Yeah, yeah, and it's the why. So for example, me coming onto this team, this new team, this is the COVID time whenever you're listening to this. So yeah. everything was just shut down. This church specifically had been closed for, I mean, since March. And I came in in early October. Yep. 
and they had been back for three weeks, but, you know, slowly back getting, getting back to things. And in that time, we lost some volunteers. Not everybody felt comfortable to come back at, you know, with, you know, the safety and health regulations yeah, yeah, and things. Absolutely. And here now is a new guy that's going to give us all the ways and uh, about what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I had to paint a vision of why I'm going to ask us to do the things we're going to do and where that's going to lead us. And that's that moment. And this is probably how I'll land it. That's that moment where they assess if their value is worth the outcome. Mm. So you've told them how valuable you are. They are yep. now they see where they're going and they're going to say, is that worth my value? And it's a really great practice. I forgot who said it, but it's like, if you broke all of your time up into uh, cost per hour, so let's say you're an hour of your time is worth a hundred bucks. Anytime someone asks you to do something, sit there and say, is this worth a hundred dollars? Mm. And that's how you can determine, is this really worth my time? Yep. And it's the same thing, especially with volunteers, but it's the same with employees that you're paying them. Oh, wait a second. I'm only going to get paid this much. To do this? To do this. Yeah. And we're only going to go this far? Mm -hmm. I don't think this is my, my spot. I don't think this is what I want to do. And that's where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle is because, I mean, they don't, what, they don't, what's the statistic? They don't cut a check for like three years or yeah, something. And so yeah, they have to crazy. really have yeah. a vision on what's going to happen. Uh -huh. And so by telling like the people that work for me, hey, this is where we're going to go. This is why we're going to get there. And this is how we're going to get there. They get to say, Yep, I want to be a part of this. Yep. And, or no, I don't. And yeah. and all that's going to do is help you be a leader. Yep. That's going to say, okay, I have the right people in the right seats, on the right bus, going yep. in the right yep. direction. Because the clarity is king. And yeah. with clarity and all of that, yep. <laughs> whatever you want to call it, people will wean themselves out yeah. if they're not on board. Yeah. And that's and totally okay. fine. It's not I was a just problem about to say, at all. Yeah. happens all the time. <laughs> right. It's not a problem. If I've done it myself. You have, if you're not a volunteer, if you're a volunteer, if, even if it's a profession, if right. like you end up in a place in your role where you're like, you know what? I'm just not on board with this. Yeah. It's okay. Right. You know, it's okay to remove yourself knowing that yeah. I'm, I'm not on board, but you would not know right. without the clarity. Yeah. So, and we do it every day with our friends, with yeah. our family. They say, this is what we're going to do. And you go, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. 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 Super good point. Yeah. So as we land this yes. plane today yeah, in this episode, down. you've got three crystal clear takeaways. Yes. What we always want yes. is for people that listen to the show to have practical and yep. tangible things, giving you practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. So no matter what environment you're in, if you're a volunteer mm -hmm. in your profession, yep. whatever role you have, uh, up, up the org chart, whether you're sitting at the top right. or you're at the very, 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 very bottom, bottom. Yep. it doesn't matter. This is for you. So what are your what are your big takeaways for today yeah. that people can put into place now? Absolutely. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget yeah. them because I tend to do that. Go or, for it. I tend to be long-winded. <laughs> but the biggest, you know, to touch on the three points is empower the person. Yep. Clarify the role. Yep. And cast the vision. And, and you need to do it in that order. Yeah. And if you're not doing it in that order, you need to switch some things around. So yeah. if you've been casting a lot of vision, maybe it's time to take a break and start empowering the people. Yep. Because otherwise you're going to be casting to a lot walk of Walk around seats. and learn the names yeah. of the people that you're trying to cast vision for. Vision yeah. for. Start there. And then very, before you can ever see where you can go, you need to clarify the roles. Because yep. when the roles are crystal clear, it puts into a great perspective just how far you really can get and then push a little farther. Yep. Some people's vision, actually a lot of people's visions are either absolutely fantasy or absolutely minuscule. 
I mean, it's it's so small with the talent that that people really bring. It's like, dude, you can do so much more than this. We've mm. seen this with running. We could barely run like a mile, and then today we were just clocking, you know, double digit miles. Yep. You know, and then there's a lot of like, hey, some people need to come back down to earth, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so yes, uh, empower the person, clarify, clarify the role, and cast the vision. And I'm gonna end by just saying this: um, you, if you if you're looking at how this applies to your life. Apply it to you individually. Start yep. with yourself. You can empower yourself by believing mm -hmm. that you're not just the drummer. Yeah. Believe in who you are. Yep. Have clarity on what you're doing mm -hmm. and why you're doing it and have a vision for yourself. 100%. And if you can do that well, it's going to make you a better person to work with, to be around, to volunteer yep. with. And when you end up in a leadership position, you're already going to have that discipline in place mm -hmm. and that mindset of, empowering, believing in yourself, believing in your people, clarifying your role, clarifying their role, and being able to have vision for all the people that you are involved with. And that is such a great value add to this podcast. So yep. Philip Floor, thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, man. Thanks for, for having me on here. For joining. Uh, one more time, I want to reiterate, yes. Ready, Fire, Aim, mm -hmm. official launch, February 9th, 2021. You can order on Amazon. You can get on Audible now. Strongly encourage that you listen to it. Maybe in a few episodes from now, we might actually just sit there yeah. and talk about the book, which would be pretty cool. Um, but Phil, again, thank you so much for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for adding value. It means a lot to me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog, and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Beaver, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company.